Well, hey, hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 115 and session number 30 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions here on the podcast. You submit the questions and I give you my answers, my opinions, uh, what I would do in a situation, and just some friendly advice. That's really what I do here. If you want to ask a question that is aired on this podcast, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask and you can do just that. You can ask a question. You can leave me a voicemail. Please include your name. And then from there, I can respond to you as if we're sitting at the local coffee shop. And I always say that, guys, because I like to pretend that we're sitting around a table or maybe sitting on the couch just having a casual conversation. That's what I want to be able to do here for you, and that's what I do here on this particular episode or these types of shows. So before we do dive in here, it's funny. When I get started here and I do the whole, uh, you know, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? You know, when I do that, I look down and Brody usually looks up at me kind of like, oh, you're going to do that again? <laughs> it's funny because it's kind of like his his nap time is when I'm during, doing these, these particular shows, and uh, he is aware. Um, he's probably dreaming and then hearing all of this Amazon business stuff in the background, business in general. Uh, Okay, so let's go ahead and kind of get going here. What I want to do before we do jump into the first question, though, I did want to give a little shout out, a little victory here, a little little milestone. And I say milestone because that's what these are when we're uh, over there in our TAS group on Facebook. I always love seeing people just helping each other, but also you know, posting those little milestones, those little victories, because those are the little sprints that you have to get to in order to get to the next step or the next phase. And I love this one here because it also says that the first product that they launched wasn't a success. And this one seems to be a little bit better. So, you know, I know a lot of people say, Scott, can you share more of the people that fail? Well, yeah, I will. uh, But we need those examples also shared on the TAS Facebook group. So if you do have something that failed and that you want to share that you learned from, please do post it there and maybe even just tag me in that particular post. I can see it and then I can maybe reference it in an upcoming episode. So this one here comes in from Michael Bale and uh, he posts a screenshot of 10 units sold for that that uh, particular day, okay? And it says, hey everyone, this is not a brag post. I am just showing you that anything is possible. I had failed first product, but this is a screenshot of my second product on day two, launched zero reviews and $1.50 spent on PPC and zero giveaways. Not a huge feat, but a success nonetheless. Keep it up, people. And there's over 165 people that Uh, liked that. There are a bunch that commented on it. And it's just a great way, again, for you guys to interact with each other, share those ups and downs, uh, you know, to also keep you motivated because you may have just launched a product and maybe you didn't have the success that you thought and you get down on yourself. Well, when you're able to go in the group, it does pick you up. I know myself, I love being connected to like-minded people, just like in the TAS group, in my class, all of that, it really does help pick me up on times that I feel like just things are starting to maybe not go as well as I planned. It's always great to have, you know, support of like-minded people that are going for that same or similar 
thing, right? That similar outcome. And that's what the TAS group is awesome for. So if you're not part of that group, you're listening to this for the first time, or maybe you've just started listening to the podcast, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash F as in Frank, B as in boy. You'll request to join, usually be approved in a few hours. And then from there, you can just start meeting people, start reading through some of the past posts and just connecting. And you're going to see that there's a wealth of information in there, totally free. And it's part of the podcast. It's an extension of the podcast that is. And uh, that is just growing every single week, every single month. And it's just getting stronger and stronger. So head on over there if you aren't already a part of that awesome community, the TASers, that is TAS Nation. All right. So, all right, let's go ahead and uh, let's listen to the first question today. And I'll go ahead and I'll give you my answer. Scott, you spoke about this once before. I wonder if you can help clarify it. I've got customers that are leaving great uh, reviews about products in my store's seller feedback section. I called Amazon. They told me they cannot move it. They can only delete it. I'd like to know if you have any uh, any additional comments on that. Uh, I know that I can send the customer an email and ask them to do it. I know a lot of them don't, but I don't want to take a chance on losing those comments. Anything, I'd appreciate it. Hey, Kevin, thanks so much for the question. And you probably wonder how I know your name. Well, it's because... I looked at the email that came through with the voicemail. You didn't leave your name, though. Got to leave the name, guys, on the front of the question. Please do that so I can feel as though uh, we just shook hands and uh, we're uh, sitting down having that cup of coffee. All right, so the question, it's a great question, and there's a couple of changes happening now, too, as I record this. Now, the way that we've always done it before, and I've done it anyway, is we get feedback, and that feedback uh, allows us to get Well, just that, feedback uh, on our performance as a seller, okay? Now, Amazon has announced that, uh, and not officially announced, I don't believe, but from what I've been hearing through the grapevine, and it may be public by the time this thing, you know, does go live, but as of right now, it's kind of just like we think it's going to happen, and a few people thought that they've, they've seen it posted, but anyway, what they're thinking about doing now is changing it to where you can't leave technically a written feedback Okay, but in the uh, and what they're going to do is I'll still allow you to rate the seller by just dirt, you know, different like survey questions, uh, you know, kind of like how is their performance, you know, between a one and a five and so on right now, right as I'm recording this and this is what's happened to you and this is why you're asking that question is basically you go ahead and receive a feedback from someone that purchased something from you. They leave a really, really great feedback or a bad feedback let's just call it a good feedback right now and it's it's product related so they say oh i really love the product you know it was awesome it was exactly what i wanted but it's a feedback and then they also checked maybe some some boxes there that said like shipping was on time you know seller communication was good and all that stuff and now what you want to do is you want to be able to contact that particular uh, customer and you want to ask them to leave a similar feedback but on your review Now, you can't call up or contact Amazon and say, hey, could you slide that over to a product review? It really would look great over there. They're not going to do that, and I've never said to do that because that's not how it works. That feedback is going to stay on your feedback if you want it to. Now, if it's product-related and it's a negative feedback, you have the choice to then contact seller support and say, hey, this is a product review on my feedback, and then they will usually re, uh, remove it, okay? So because of that, 
that kind of was a little bit of a built-in filter that I was using. And I got to be honest, and some, some people will be like, be like uh, you know, Scott, well, isn't that kind of wrong to do that? And it's like, it depends, you know, how you translate this, right? I'm looking at my seller feedback as being just that. It's like, how did I do? But it also, if they are going to put the product review there, then it's up to me to decide if I want that on there because it's not really about that. But if they left me something really good, that's my choice as well. So really, you got to leave that up to your own judgment, whatever you want to do. But I was doing that to really act as a filter. And I, again, being totally transparent, I didn't, I didn't really get a lot of negative stuff on the feedback. Now, if I did and it was product related and I felt like it was definitely warranted, like it was a product problem, then I would address that. Okay. But for the most part, it's always either they didn't read something right or they were upset with, uh, you know, the package that came in because it was damaged in shipping. That has nothing to really do with me as a business, but it does look like it came from me, but it came from Amazon. So then that's stuff that I would report. But again, if you got a three-star uh, feedback score on that, you might want to contact them and have them remove it. But to answer your question specifically here, we're talking about someone left you a really good review or feedback, but it was a review technically, and you wanted to to have that moved over to your product listing, that is not going to happen. That's not even possible. So the next best thing is to contact that customer and say, hey, thank you so much for leaving positive feedback. I'm so glad that you're happy with your experience. If you could do me a small favor, we're a small business and our business survives by our customers and the feedback that we receive. Reviews are different than feedback. If you could do me one quick favor and head over to the product listing and leave me a product review over there. That would be awesome. And again, once once again, I want to make sure that you're leaving, you know, your honest feedback and review on that. Thanks a lot. You know, so that's like the email gist. I mean, it would sound different than that, but you get what I'm saying. So that's really how you tackle that feedback. Now, Right now that we're moving forward here, that might go away, and it very well could be. By the sounds of it, it is going to go away. So the feedback little interceptor there that I've kind of put in place, that's going to probably change. So I'm going to have to update my email sequence when someone purchases a product. So just a little bit of a change, not huge, but I do still believe that Amazon is going to treat your feedback as kind of like the ranking of your business or the authority of your business. And some people will argue this, but I look at it, if you are a seasoned seller that has these little metrics in place, whether it's three or four different metrics, whether it's like, you know, was it shipped on time? Was the communications good? You know, all of that stuff. That's going to help Amazon know if you're a good seller. And if you are over time, that is going to also help your seller's account. And then from there, when you launch new products, that should help you rank products easier. Now, again, that's just my thoughts. It doesn't mean that it's true. We we have no idea. But that's like my thought process because my days go back as far as like website building and, you know, building a blog that can rank and all that stuff. And if you have a website that's been seasoned, that's been out there a while, uh, or if you have a, a domain that's older than, you know, three years, you know, it's going to it's gonna have a little bit more weight, a little bit more of authority than a site that was just freshly built purchased. So I hope that makes sense. I know that was a long-winded answer and I kind of talked about a lot of different things there, but there is a lot of different elements, especially now that they're going to be possibly changing that. We really need to think about that moving forward. But the short answer is you cannot move a feedback that's already written over to a product review. All right. So hope that helped. Let's go ahead and listen to the next question and I'll give you my answer. Scott A. Mark Nelson uh, in Spokane, Washington. 
Hey, just uh, calling to give you a heads up. I've been um, spent a little over an hour trying to upload my product to Amazon, my first product, and then uh, it would not let me save it because I've got to have a UPC uh, on there. So uh, I thought that might be a helpful thing to put in there as far as maybe under your affiliates. Um, if you could recommend a barcode company or a, a UPC company, I did find Nationwide Barcode. Seems like a good website, and they've got a bunch of tutorials on there and uh, barcodes. If you want to buy twenty-five or about a buck a piece, and cheaper if you want to buy more. So anyway, just want to give you the heads up. Don't need to put this on the website, but or the podcast. But uh, thought it might be helpful for everybody. So uh, wish you the best. Thanks for your help, man. Uh, you've been great. And uh, I, I believe I'm going to owe you owe you a million here in a year or two. Thanks. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for the question and the kind words. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's funny because I've got uh, I've got a question from you about UPC. And then the next question after this will be about UPC barcodes and FNSQ and stuff. So let me answer yours quickly or not even answer it. Let me just kind of address it. And I think it's important for people to understand that when they are creating their listing, they will need the UPC code. That's what it's for. So you spend an hour kind of figuring that out after you realize you didn't have that code yet. So yeah, if, if anyone is listening right now and they need a uh, UPC code, I will link up on the show notes here and on the resource page. So if you have not visited the resource page, that's where all of the tools that I use and even resources like this will be located. That can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash resources. Again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash resources. And I will link up to the one that I've used there. And uh, yeah, I think that that'll be helpful. So thanks for bringing that up. And that's going to lead us right into the next question and, uh, and a little bit about the UPC code, but also the FNSQ number and all of that stuff, because sometimes that's confusing. It was for me, and uh, I know it was for this next listener. So let's go ahead and listen to the question, and I'll give you my answer. Hi, Scott. My name is Reagan. I have been listening to your podcast for several months now, and you've got me really pumped and excited about something that gives our family a lot of hope for the future. Um, That being said, I'm going to ask what it probably is a very newbie type of question, but you know, I know what a SKU number is. I see it on products that I purchase all the time, but can you break down what that is as far as from the uh, seller's point? Um, I guess I, I hear that term thrown around a lot, and I, I guess I would just like that broken down, how we get the SKU number um, and how that becomes part of our product or attached to our product other than the obvious packaging and, and things like that. So thanks again for all you do. Again, you've, you've motivated and inspired a lot of people, including myself and my husband. And uh, yeah, look forward to hearing your answer. Thank you. Hey, Reagan, thanks so much for the question. And I really do appreciate you being a listener. And I'm glad that it has gotten you fired up and you know excited because I think it all comes down to if we can get excited about stuff, we can really get motivated to do you know, certain things, whether it's this business or whether it's what working out or whatever, right? If we get excited about stuff, it does motivate us to want to take action. And if we take action, we get results. You guys all know I preach that. So that is 
a huge thing here. All right. So thanks again for, uh, for posting your question. I love to hear from each and every one of you that are listeners. And as far as if it's impacting you or exciting you or getting you motivated. So thank you for that. Okay. So to answer your question and some people listening might be like, well, this is a basic question. It is a basic question, but if you're starting out, you don't know this stuff. And some people that have even been going at this for a little while, they might be doing it wrong just because they felt that they, they had to do it this way. All right. And I was one of them when I first started. Okay. So you don't really have to think about things as like, you know, all of these different SKUs or the ASIN or all of that stuff when you're putting together your packaging. It's really what it comes down to. So number one, let's just talk about the UPC code. The only reason you need a UPC code, okay, that you can purchase from an online vendor cheap barcodes, or if you Google any of those, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to one of the ones I've used, okay? They're pretty cheap, okay, and to get the barcodes, but the barcode is there only to create the listing, okay? Now, if you have multiple variations, if you have like one product, but it has three variations, like red, green, and blue, you're going to need a UPC code to create each variation, Okay, so that's step one. Okay, the only reason we need that UPC code is to create the listing in Seller Central. Okay, that's it. Once we do that, we can almost like slide it to the side and we don't even need to look at that again. Okay, because now what we can do is we can then find our FNSQ number. And that's basically Amazon's UPC code in a sense. That's the one that they're going to sort your pro or pick your products from their inventory when it comes through. Okay, so an easy way to get this is if you were, even if you just created your listing and it's brand new, you can go in like you're going to fulfill it and then it's going to then show you the FNSQ. It'll say, uh, would you like to show the FNSQ number? You're going to check a little box and it's going to have a drop down menu and you're going to see the FNSQ number right there. Uh, now you can also see it in the back end if you're going into the back end. Uh, again, I can't visually do that for you right now, but just let me say that the FNSQ number is Amazon's, you know, that's their unique identifier. Okay. Now, if you want, if you don't want to even find that number right now and you don't want to rely on your shipper or your printer, that is not shipper, your printer to print that properly, because that could be a mistake that could be bad, uh, right? But if you want to keep it simple, you can take the UPC code, you can have that printed on your box, and then you can have Amazon label the FNSQ on for you at a 20 cent per unit fee. That's what they charge. And I've done that. I've done that for, gosh, up to about past three months because all of my stuff, all of my packaging was already created and I just got a little lazy and I didn't want to uh, to have my uh, my printer change the packaging and stuff like that. I know it sounds kind of silly, but I just, I, everything was running smoothly so I didn't want to break anything. It's kind of silly, but that's how I thought. But now I have changed over and any new products that I roll out, I'm using the FNSQ number. Now, the other little thing that you need to be aware of is if you use a UPC code and it's on your packaging, you can then sell that in retail. So if you're going to put that in retail, eventually you'll take that UPC code and that's the identifier of that product. And then you can use that in different retail locations. Okay. Cause that's the identifier for you for that particular product. But Amazon has their own FNSQ number. So I, I hope that makes sense. So really the only thing you need to understand is a UPC code is needed when you create your listing. Okay. When you want to get it 
in the catalog on Amazon. It's basically your identifier of that product. So a UPC code is is really there for you to create the listing. And then from there, you're going to grab the FNSQ number from Amazon, and then you're going to have that printed on your packaging, whether they print it for you at 20 cents a piece or if you have your manufacturer do that. So I hope that that's helped, okay? And, and again, it, some for some people, it seems simple and easy, but I mean, I didn't get that in the beginning either. I just thought UPC, I'm going to have it, you know, a sticker made and put on my packaging and then I'll have Amazon put their label on it. And I didn't realize that I could save 20 cents by doing that. I just, again, because I take action, I don't really uh, overanalyze. I just kind of get it done. And the 20 cents to me was, that was so small uh, in the big scheme of things. So again, hope this has helped and uh, let's go ahead and listen to another question and I'll give you my answer. Hi, Scott. My name is Barad and I'm a big uh, fan of your podcast. Um, I have had success using uh, methods from your podcast for my private label, and I've had the um, ability to do about 10 units a day in organic sales combined with PPC, I guess. Finding it hard to figure out which one's organic versus uh, which one's PPC-driven, but I'm doing on an average about 10 units a day on one of my private label products. Are there tips and tricks as to how you scale up from 10 units to 20 or 30 units uh, per day in sales? If that's something that you could touch upon in one of your podcasts, that would that would be great. I deeply appreciate it. Right, thanks much. Keep doing what you're doing. Great job. Thank you. Hey, Barad, congratulations, first off, on uh, hitting 10 sales a day. I think that's awesome. And I want to touch on a couple of different things, a couple of different, I guess, a couple different things we should talk about here is about the 10 sales because you said that they're organic but then some of them may be pay-per-click so that's the first thing that we should probably look at if you turn off your pay-per-click that's going to instantly tell you how many organic sales that are being made the other thing you can do is see how much you're spending per day on those or on that campaign and then see how many sales that you're getting generally if if you could look back in history a little bit so that's another way to kind of figure that out now the other thing that we need to discuss is well two things first off how much depth is in the market that's a big one that a lot of people don't look at so that would be I would need to know that before I could say how many units a day I think that you could sell if you are at the bottom of the depth and I mean what I mean by that is if uh, let's say that the top two sellers for your product are selling let's say let's say they're selling 30 a day and then as you get down to the fifth spot, maybe they're selling 10 a day, and then maybe the seventh spot, they're selling five a day, and it starts to get less and less as we get down in in the rankings, that would make me say, well, depending on where you're ranked, if you don't get the one or the two spot, you're probably only going to get those you know, five or 10 sales a day. But if you tell me that the depth is really deep, meaning like one through 10, they're selling 20 plus a day, and you're just, you're at the bottom, maybe you're at the bottom of page one or maybe at the top of page two and you're getting 10 sales a day, that's kind of exciting because now I know that if we can do a little bit more marketing, a little bit more pay-per-click to force ourselves on page one or up higher in the ranking, then we know that we can probably take that 10 sale uh, or 10 sales a day and then bump that up to 15 or 20 sales a day. 
That's the first thing we need to know. We need to know the depth of the market. So anyone listening right now, I always, always talk about this. This is one of the most important, the one of the most important metrics here or the, the things to look at is the depth. You really need to think about this vertically, okay? So if we're looking at something vertically and we see the number one spot is at the top and number 12 is at the bottom, well, we need to see how many sales are running up and down you know, as far as that depth, okay, that vertical, okay, so if if uh, the number one and the number two are taking all of the sales, and then as you get down to four, five, six, seven, they're really weak, that's not depth, okay, that depth is very weak, but if we can take, and let's say the first uh, seller's doing, uh, you know, like a 500 a month, and then the next seller's doing 400 a month, and the next one's doing 300 a month, and the next one's doing 325 a month, and the next one's doing 200 a month. We, we need to see the depth there, okay? And that's how we can establish if we can come in at the bottom and if we can get sales, and then if we improve our rankings, we can get more sales. So that's depth. And I get, I'm kind of harping on this because it's really, really important that you understand that. And anyone listening understands that depth is really, really key uh, to see the growth potential in that product. Now, the other thing that could help even without ranking higher is if you have another product or two that complement that one product. Okay, that's huge because now if you have one product that's driving 10 sales a day, you launch product number two, that's driving 10 sales a day. Now, each one of those could piggyback off of each other or cross-promote each other, even just running an external promotion that is being fed from one listing to the other. Okay. Now, without getting too overcomplicated here, uh, you know, as far as like figuring all that stuff out, Usually, if you have another product and that is complementing the other product, you will get some crossover sales almost automatically. But the other thing you can do now is you might launch that product and see that it's getting more volume as far as sales. That's going to then allow you to show that particular product to more customers over time. That's why I like focusing on building a product line and not just, you know, going out there and randomly picking products Uh, because I do think that the long term you're going to be able to have much more success by selling, you know, products to the same customer rather than going out and finding five different customers in five different markets. So I hope that that's helped. It's, I know that was kind of like a long-winded and we kind of went around a bunch of different uh, angles there, but it's really important to understand that because it's hard to say that if you're right now selling 10 units a day, if that's all that you're going to be able to do because you're maxed out. I don't think it will be, and especially in the fourth quarter, obviously those will probably most likely go up and maybe different times of the year it goes up depending on the product. So all of that stuff needs to be considered when thinking about how many sales you think that uh, your product can generate. So I hope that that's been helpful. Uh, Again, good luck to you and congratulations because I think that that's awesome and that's momentum. And as we get momentum, it just continues to grow as long as you can uh, find other products that support that product or vice versa. So I hope that that's helped. All right, so that is going to wrap up this session of Ask Scott. I want to thank everyone for submitting questions. If you've already submitted a question and I haven't gotten to it yet, be patient. I will try to answer all of the voicemails that come in. If you haven't left a question yet and you wanted to ask one, just head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask and you can do just that. You can leave me a voicemail there. Try to keep it under a couple minutes. 
say your first name to introduce yourself, and then from there, I can go ahead and listen to it, and then we can play it here on the show, on an upcoming show, that is, and uh, we can go ahead and answer it. One last thing I want to mention is my live free workshop. If you guys are brand new, or maybe you're not new and you've been listening for a while and you haven't had a chance to go over and attend one of my live workshops, you can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop, and that is where I actually go through the five phases for choosing your product, for sourcing your product, doing a pre-launch, getting ready for that product launch, then doing the launch, and then running the promotions. I actually walk you through all of those phases in this workshop, and I also answer live Q&A during this as well. So, would love to have you come on over and hang out with me. Usually, we go for about an hour and a half, two hours, and uh, again, it's a lot of fun. I love connecting with each and every one of you, so head over there, sign up for that. The upcoming one will be listed and announced on that particular page, theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up. This has been awesome. I love sitting around talking to you guys and kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. Remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you. I'm rooting for you. But you have to, you have to. Come on now, let's say it together. Take action. Have an awesome day. I'll see you in the next episode.